What an amazing God. Hallelujah. Amazing God. We uh, was talking last week about the uh, uh, victories that Christ won, that he made a show of them openly, triumphant over them in it. He disarmed principalities and powers. Remember what the word powers means? It, the word powers there means that they have, that these entities has, had, had freedom of action, the right to act. That's what that word means, the right to act. That was until Jesus rose from the dead. They no longer have right to act when the body of Christ stands up. We take that authority away from them. Outside of Christ, they have the right to act, to have dominion, but in Christ, that dominion is taken away. Amen. It's, it's abolished. It's taken away. We, um, we, we see that many times, and thank God for the people that are, all the, all the problems that we've seen, and the hatred, and the, and, uh, the division, and the, and the racism, and the you know, the supremacy and all that kind of junk that we're seeing today, amen. When the body of Christ raises up, that all disappears, or at least it should, amen. God's not in any of that stuff, amen. He's in, he, he made one man, one man. I love when, I, when I'm in Rwanda, and uh, Augustine has, has really grabbed hold of this, but when we're in Rwanda, Pastor Augustine, or Bishop Augustine, he's, he's about this tall, and his skin is dark, and when we're together, I always put my arm around him, and I tell the congregations, I said, did you know we're, we're related? We're brothers. And I said, can't you tell? We're brothers. And of course, they all laugh, but they've, they've grabbed hold of that now, and that's what they call me, Brother. Their brother. Why? Because we're one man. Amen. I, I can't even I can't even imagine thinking any different or any less of, of these people. And they can't they don't think any less of me. Amen. Of course it scares them. I, I'm, I'm you know, I'm the only white guy that a lot of these guys these people have seen in these villages and, and the children run screaming. I mean, look at me. This white you know, I, they don't know what to think, and they'll run screaming, crying, mazoom, mazoom, mazoom. That means a white person. And they, they run into walls and everything until they get to know us, and then they, then, they, then they love us. Praise God. We uh, we're in a time where these principalities are, are, are making themselves more known than, they, than we have before trying to bring division, trying to bring isolation, trying to, I mean, look at how many years, can I just talk to you a minute? I'm going to, so thank you. <laughs> look at how many years the church has been so divided. Amen. I, I absolutely hate this anti-attitude in the body of Christ. It's an anti-attitude. I'm against this, and I don't believe in this, and I, I don't like this, and I'm against this belief, and I'm against that belief, and I'm against, everything's anti, against. We, we, we form our messages, many pastors form their messages on what they don't like. Amen. Y'all was afraid that, you know, I'm a preacher, so you're afraid to, 
Thank God the Lord really challenged me on that several years ago. He said, stop talking about what you're against and start talking about what you're for. Start, stop talking about what you don't believe in. Start talking about what you, what you do believe in. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, when, when people want to argue doctrine with me, I just, I just t- take them right back to relationship. Amen. Because I, I don't care if you believe like I believe. I want to know, if, do you love Jesus? Amen. Do you love Jesus? Then, then we, we got it. We, we're, we're brothers and sisters. Amen. We're going we're gonna to live for eternity together, so we might as well just accept each other now. <laughs> Amen. The need, the need for significance is what divides us. We, we have this, because of the fall, we have this need for significance. We, we want to somehow be significant. We want to somehow show that we, we have something better than somebody else. You know, that we have a better doctrine, or we have a better church, or we have better singing, and we, 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 we believe in this. We, always, people always trying to position themselves to be better. Every denomination has been started on a belief, a revelatory truth that came alive in somebody's heart and that was resisted by others that had a revelatory truth that didn't want to give up their revelatory truth and accept another revelatory truth and let it be and, and so they divided and they started their own denomination. They squared everything off. And so everybody goes and sits in the box that they think is right and better and, and best. And, and we all sit in, a, in our boxes and throw stones over the walls at each other. And, and, and we think that we're serving God. Amen. My rant will be over with in just a few minutes. Amen. God, Jesus, uh, let's, let's just get into it. Amen. Everybody, everybody say, let's go, Pastor. Hallelujah. I love you guys. I mean, absolutely love you guys. You're amazing. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men." When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Now, a lot of times when we preach on this verse, we preach about the denying ourselves and the loss. How many know that we, we always focus on the loss? 
If you want to come after me, you got to lose your life for my sake. And we, we preach on that, and that's true. But i got to tell you something. It is not that hard when you start focusing on the rest of that verse where he says, but if anyone will lose their life for my sake, they shall find it. Find life. Amen. What we were talking about last Sunday was, was about dominion. You empower dominion in your life by what you choose to serve. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us that if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord and obey his commandments, then he will cause these blessings to come upon you and they'll overtake you. And he goes through all of our life. Blessed, you'll be blessed in the field, blessed in the store, blessed in your business. You'll be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. He'll open the windows of heaven over you. But if you disobey and don't hearken, then cursed are you. There's two things. There was no middle ground. There's one or, one or the other. And so when we're, as we're moving in the New Testament, we got to begin to kind of understand what is it that Jesus is saying here that we got to lose our lives for his sake and then we'll find it. This seems, you know, this, this can be just a real, real downer if you, get, if you look at it wrong and preach it wrong because we're always talking about the denying and the losing. And we're always looking at, well, that means, that means you have to be willing to die for Jesus. i got to tell you something. If that, if that time comes, I hope all of us have the grace and the courage to do so. But I'm not laying my head on the devil's chock, chopping block just because he wants it. Amen. I have no desire to yield to the forces of evil and to succumb to them. Amen. I've traveled around this world in many countries, and we faced a lot of situations, and I have took my stand for God when I, my life has been threatened. I've been told that I would be killed if I preached that Jesus was the only way of salvation, and we preached Jesus was the only way of salvation, and I'm still here. Amen. I was willing to do so because I believe it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But if people come up and just want to harass me and take my life just because they're angry about something, they, they best might ought to back up. Amen. We're not people that just lay down for the devil. And that's kind of how I've heard things preached over the years, that, that we just have no power, no choice against him. Amen. I got to tell you something. I got angels that walk with me. Praise God. And if God decides that that is necessary in order for the, for the gospel to be promoted, then so be it. But too many in the church have an attitude of helplessness 
when we're facing these situations and these, these demonic attacks and these demonic principalities, and I just got to tell you something, we need to rise up and, and make ourselves known because Jesus is Lord and he's Lord of everything that we put in his hands. Amen. I like Pastor Augustine in Rwanda. The first, when I first went over there, you know, we, we had, I didn't know him, and, and we just kind of get to know each other. We had no idea we was going to be working together. He was just the guy that, that I, through a bunch of contacts, came and picked me up at the airport that they, uh, this, this missionary asked him to uh, come and, and get me and Sister Betty and put us up in a room somewhere. And he had, we had no idea what was going to happen after that. God just told us to go over there. We went, we started, and, and thank God it's, it's bloomed and blossomed and doing great. But uh, Pastor Augustine, when I, we were talking, when we were meeting, and after, at the end of the week, I felt just a bond with this guy. I mean, I felt like he was my family. And we just had this bond. So I started giving him my lecture on financial accountability that I give everybody. And I told him, I said, if you will be faithful and have genuine character when it comes to finances and not misuse funds, God's going to bless you. But I told him, I said, if you misuse one dollar, I'm done. Because that is, that is at the core our character. And so I gave him my big lecture about that, and I could tell he was, you know, kind of getting frustrated with me because I just kept driving the point home, driving the point home, driving the point home. And he has, for the last 12 years, he has been so accountable. I mean, he has not misused one dollar. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't even worry about him. I, I don't even, it's not even a concern of mine. And, and when I got finished, he decided he needed to let me know what it was going to take to operate in Rwanda. And he said, let me tell you this. If you can't chase devils, you need to go home. <laughs> I said, got it. And he's told me stories. I've not, I've not had any encounters like this personally over there yet, but he's told me stories about how he goes into villages and where there's witch doctors and all this kind of stuff and they're very powerful don't don't laugh if you're not under the blood of jesus and full of the power of the spirit of god you might not ought to mess with them because they're extremely powerful and in the natural i mean they can over they they, they can do stuff that you can't even imagine but pastor augustine goes in and when he preaches in these areas he gets up and he says anyone any witch any witch doctor that thinks you can kill me, come on. I mean, he challenges them right off the bat. And he said, in this one service, he said this woman in the back jumped up and started chanting and, and kind of jumping. He said, it's just really strange. He said, she's doing this, just jumping forward and chanting. And he thought all of a sudden right in front of her, this big cobra appeared and was crawling in front of her, coming right at me. And he said, she come up there uh, chanting, and what she was saying was, kill him, 
kill him, kill him. That's what she was chanting over and over and over. And she come up there, and as she started coming, and that big, big cobra was just going in front of her and coming right toward Augustine, he began to say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. He said, she just kept coming. He said, that, that snake was getting closer. And he said, the third time when he said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, he said, that snake disappeared and she collapsed to the ground. God is not going to abandon you just because the devil shows up. Amen. Amen. He said, if anyone is willing to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, what we're talking about here is not just desires, though that's part of it. I mean, we got we to gotta overcome those. We got to put them down. I can take you through all kinds of scriptures about that in Galatians, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and those that do the works of the, of the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to list that. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, right now, in this life, you will not enjoy the blessings of God, nor will you encounter or inherit later. And we can call ourselves Christians, but if we operate under the, under the, the, the works of the flesh, we are not going to enjoy the blessings that God has for us. That's where a lot of children of God are standing today in compromise and because of that compromise they don't have the blessings of God on their life so the Bible looks like a fairy tale compared to what our lives are like isn't that right we read the Bible and it says one thing we live another we don't experience the closeness of God. We don't experience the great, greatness of God. We don't experience the blessings of God. And yet we read the Bible and it's there. Why? Because disobedience brings the curse and obedience brings the blessing. Amen. And we can't get over that. It, you cannot separate that. Even in the New Testament, we, are, we have to come under the blood of Jesus Christ and submit fully to him in order to receive. That's what it's saying. If you want to lose your life, and, and for my sake, then you will find it. Amen. He's not talking about later on. He's talking about now, today, in this life. There are blessings for the children of God to walk in right now. Amen. So we, we empower these deities by disobedience. One of the reasons that we're having so much trouble here in the United States is because of the disobedience that has been in this nation. The rejection toward God. The resistance toward God. Amen. There is, there is no divisions when Jesus is Lord. I love watching the videos of people that in, in Minneapolis where all that tragedy took place and yet the gospel has moved into that very place, and they are preaching the gospel and worshiping, and people are being saved every day and healed. Miracles are taking place on the street corners right there where all that tragedy took place. Why? Because we, the previous is what the world brings under the curse, but now you're seeing the blessing that comes by the body of Christ coming in and taking possession Amen. We just got to start taking possession before all the mayhem and madness breaks out. Amen. 
in, in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Isn't that what it says? He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what I'm reading is Jesus said, when you take up your cross and follow me, you start living. For so long we preach that as dying. You die to yourself so that you can live. What is that? It's putting off self-deification. Self-deification is what causes problems. When we, when we deify ourselves, when we, when we raise our wants, when we raise our desires, when we raise our life above Jesus, then we are deifying ourselves and, and we bring oppression upon our life. Now, there's three things that cause every problem. In 1 John chapter 2, I believe it is. I'm jumping ahead, ain't I? 1 John chapter 2. It says that um, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These things, and you see that, it drives us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. This is the way I say it, and this is what I, I've seen. Three things that cause every problem in our lives, every relational problem, every problem on the job, every problem in the church, every problem is caused by these three things. Number one, self-righteousness. Number two, self-centeredness. Number three, self-pity. Those are the three things that cause every problem that we have, especially in relationship and in the body of Christ, when we come together as a church, if it, those three things is what causes every problem. Self-righteousness, I'm better, so I deserve more. Oh, you see that. And you see it even presented as humility. <laughs> oh, my goodness. In the last 40 years, I've seen so much junk, and I've, I've, I've done some junk. I mean, oh, my goodness. I, I told somebody here a while back, I was talking to a, a group back here in the prayer room, and, and the Holy Spirit just moved on me one day just to apologize to everybody for all the arrogant, controlling garbage that pastors put out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, but don't get too quiet on me. <laughs> Y'all just thought of all of it. And I said, every complaint you've ever had against a pastor, I've been that at some time in my life. As a pastor, I mean, we we have Pastor Rob is going to be preaching next Sunday on Father's Day, and I tell you what, Rob and Tammy has stuck with us from the time they were teenagers. Amen. They have worked in this church and labored in this church, and Pastor Rob has been a voice of wisdom and 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 just stability, and and they they have they have been here. They they fought every fight with us. They went through every battle with us. And that's impressive. But what impresses me even more is they didn't leave in the times that I really messed up. That's what impresses me even more. 
when they're standing back saying, oh, good night, Pastor. And yet they stand there and they, they're faithful. Many of you have been that way. But Pastor Rob's going to be preaching next Sunday, so I'm just talking about him. And they've, they've done that. They've stuck with us. Why? Because we, we have to overcome self-righteousness, self-centeredness, and self-pity. Amen. Self-centered says everything's about me, and if it's not about me, I'll make it about me. Oh, yeah, have we ever done that? I started to say, have you ever known anybody like that? I, we might as well just fess up and say, have you ever, you know, we, have I ever done anything like that? Yes. <laughs> have I ever been self-righteous? Yes. Amen. Which, one's, which one of these is the strongest? Yes. <laughs> Self-pity says, I've been done wrong and everybody, do, everybody owes me because I've been done wrong. Amen. Probably one of the hardest ones to break in people is that one. Self-righteousness can be humbled. Self-centeredness can be broken. But that self-pity is one of the strongest things that I've ever seen. I mean, it is strong and powerful. And when, when people operate in that, it is so hard to help them because they find such power in being able to make people feel like they've been done wrong, and so they get everybody to serve them. And 30 years from now, they'll still be say, telling the same stories about how they were done wrong 30 years ago. Oh, can we just get honest here? And they, they gather their, they gather their support to everywhere they go, and they, they wear people out after a while, but they gather their support teams around them. Everywhere they go, they get a support team. They start, they start telling everybody their sad stories. Every church they go to, every prayer meeting they go to, every group, I mean, they go from one thing to another, and, and it's all about their sad stories. And they tell everybody their sad stories about how they've been done wrong. And they get people to feel sorry, and they get sympathizers that gather around them and become their support group. The problem is they never get to where they don't need support. Why? Because that's how they're able to manipulate people all around them is through self-pity, and it is a bondage. It's a demonic power that gets a hold of people and takes them into bondage and then takes everybody else into bondage around them. In other words, I've been hurt, so you have to serve my pain. No! I don't have to serve your pain. I got to take you to Jesus and get you healed and delivered and set free where you don't have to talk about it anymore. Oh, my goodness, that's going over heavy. We got, whoo! See, I told you it's a strong one. It's demonic. It, it, it literally encapsulates and enslaves people. Amen. I've always struggled with that because I'm not a real big pity guy. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, let's wash, let's wash the wounds off. Now let's get up. Okay, you're all right. That's how I raised my kids. If they fell down and got hurt, I'd say, you're all right. Come on, brush it off. Walk it off. Walk it off. That's what I was telling them. Walk it off. Amen. Because I knew 
that if I went, oh, are you all right? I mean, the waterworks and the crying would start, and it'd last for a long time. I struggle a little bit more with my grandkids with that. A <laughs> little bit. I still, I still make them get up. But I, gotta just, I, I just got to tell you something. When my granddaughters, when they're upset, and they, they, they're in my lap hugging me and crying, and I'm not, you know, I don't always like that to go away right away. I've never had daughters or granddaughters, and it's a whole new world for me, and it's like, wow, you know, that's okay, sweetie, oh, love you, oh, isn't it, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, okay, now get up. <laughs> denying self is more than just denying your desires for things or or um, what would you call it, um, fleshly desires, it's also about denying your impulses and, and your needs. Our needs are what drives us. Like I was talking about significance. If you read the Gospels, I mean, the disciples were, oh my goodness, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, and the Word, had everything, spent time with the Father, said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father doing, healed the sick, cast out devils, performed miracles, moved things, and, and had power over nature. And yet, how many times did he turn around to his disciples and say, how long do I have to be with you? I mean, it's the Son of God. And he'd look at his disciples, and they, it would, you could just hear the frustration. When are you going to get it? <laughs> I mean, next thing you know, it'd be walking along, and, and they, they're, they're following behind him, arguing who's greatest in the kingdom, you know, and who's going to sit on the right hand and left hand. And then James and John's mama got involved and come in and said, I want my boys to sit on your right hand and your left hand. And I mean, you know, can you imagine approaching the Son of God to just raise the dead and saying, I want my boys to sit on your right hand and your left hand? Can you imagine that? Peter James backing her mama up saying, that's right, that's right. You tell them, mama. You tell them. And then Peter elbowing his way through saying, I guess not. Ain't nobody, no, old lover boy here laying on your chest. That is, he ain't going to be the one sitting on your right hand. Oh, John, I know he's going to, I mean, that battle was fought all the way through, even until after Jesus rose from the dead and and. God, Jesus was talking to Peter and telling him what's going to happen. And the first thing he does is turn around and points at John and says, well, what about him? The disciple you love. You ever, you ever read the book of John? John, John? John never did get over that. I mean, even in the book of John, he referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Ain't nobody else did that. But John did. You see what I'm talking about? We have to deny our desires. 
We have to not deny our... Di I'm not going to get to all this. We'll, we'll carry it on some other time. We have to de not desire our differences. Our differences, our, our likes and our dislikes. We have, to, we have to deny ourselves. Our likes and our dislikes. I mean, I mean God himself talked to Peter on the rooftop and let down his sheet. I mean, did this big drama presentation for Peter. And Peter kept arguing with the God of all heaven and the creator of all things, telling him, I ain't going to do that. What kind of sinner are you? Asking me to break the law. Three times God lowered this sheet down. I mean, put on this big drama for Peter. And every time Peter would say, ain't, 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 mm -mm. not me. What was Jesus doing? He's saying, son, you're, gonna have to, you're just going to have to get over it. You're going to have to get over yourself because I'm about to send you down to the Gentiles and they're going to get what you got. And so he had to get Peter to go down there, and, and Peter and all his group walked in there. Can you imagine? I mean, they, they walked in the Gentiles' house, and the Gentiles are saying, you know, and there was such division and animosity between these, between these two groups, and they were against each other, and they didn't like each other, and, and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and, and the, the, the Jews felt like they were, they were special, and the Gentiles didn't like them because they felt like they were special and resisted them. And they had all this animosity, but all of a sudden an angel appeared to somebody, and somebody started getting hungry and started hearing about this thing, and, and they sent word. And, and next thing you know, Peter is having to go down to this Gentile house, and he gets up and he starts preaching his message. And I love what Jesus did. Jesus let Peter open his mouth and start preaching his great, eloquent message and letting them know, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of it, the Holy Ghost fell in that Gentile house, and they received everything. And God did it right in the front of them. And Peter had to go back and try to explain to the great people back in Jerusalem what he did. And he went back and said, wasn't me. I went down there, but I didn't do it. I didn't lay hands on them. I didn't do nothing. Holy Spirit, they, they got what we got. See, what God, what Jesus died for is to give us life. We die to ourselves so that we can live and have real life. I'm not going to get to the rest of this. We're going we're gonna to have to. We spend a lot of time praying, but that's all right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. To deny yourself, to deny self-righteousness, to deny self-centeredness, to deny self-pity. Say, no, I won't do it. To deny those things is to set yourself free from oppression. Are you listening to me? This has always been preached. As, you know, I, I remember growing up in church, and, and when people, when pastors would preach on this, it was always a heavy message and, of you got to die. Well, you do. But you get so much more than what you gave up. <laughs> Amen. You get so much more. Well, you get blessed. You get to walk in the presence of God. You get to, you get to enjoy His presence. 
you get to watch blessings all around you. He meets your needs and and he helps you and he walks with you through every storm and through every hardship. And, and you got somebody right there walking with you, raising you up when you fall down, healing you when you get hurt. Amen. I know there's been a lot of, a lot of hurt done to people. I know all about it, 40 years of it. Amen. I, I, if you could see, if you could see a picture of me, I'm I'm shot full of holes. But there, but there's been times I've been shooting back. You know what I'm talking about? We're all guilty. Amen. I still, I don't know if you all do this. I've got this over this exaggerated sense of responsibility that I have to deal with all the time, and and I still, I get to thinking about blunders I made years ago and I get to feeling all down all over again you know something that happened 30 years ago some stupid thing I did 30 years ago that that you know was out of self-righteous self-centeredness or self-pity and I get to thinking about that too much man I just get down on myself and you know that happened 30 years ago we got to let it go Amen. Let it go. <laughs> I got granddaughters. Went from let it go to ah. Y'all got kids, you know what that one is. We we are people that are that we have been ordained to enjoy the delivering, life-giving, transformative power of God. We die to ourselves so that we can live in the fullness of what God has for us. Wow. Amen. I just tried to throw this out here. I just had a few minutes. I butchered this thing all to pieces, but I, I think you got the, the gist of what we're talking about. Amen. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking for a bunch of people to go around with long faces, you know, saying, oh, I'm just, I'm just dying daily. Man, I saw that stuff. I saw that stuff in people growing up in the church that have what they call testimony service. When I became a pastor, I killed that thing. I, to me, it's a gripe session, you know? And people get up and testify about how hard it's been, how rough it's been. And then they always close with the same thing. Pray for me that I hold on to the end. Oh, my goodness. And time we get out of there, we go, we go home thinking, oh, Jesus, come quickly. We're just, it's awful. if we're not living under the blessings of God. And even if we're living under the blessings of God, there's troubles and trials and things like that. But I'm not going to stand up and say, pray for me to hold on, that I hold on to the end. I mean, what am I going to do? Let go and go to hell? I didn't know there were options. What are we going to let go for? Man, I... 
I, I'm, I'm chasing hard after the blessings of God. Why would I want to let go? Amen. Stand with me. I'm going to have to quit. Stand. 